0: He has them all ready to try to let us hit the power.
1: He wrote this. So evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. And none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. So the message of this chapter 34 is about desolate, about being desolate. And he's, he's making a very clear example that those who are evil, those who are wicked, are going to be
0: desolate.
1: Those who trust in the Lord will never be desolate. Well, think about that as you read this chapter. 4. It begins, and says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. He's giving a testimony of being at a desperate time in his life. He called out to the Lord and delivered from his fears. Verse nine. O oh, fear the Lord, ye is saints, for there is no want to them that. Young lions do laugh and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want in any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may seek good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Depart from evil. And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their heart. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You know, there's a, a phrase mentioned in the book of Daniel and in the book of Matthew, maybe in some other places, about the abomination of desolation. Using that same word desolate. And then that phrase is referring to an event that is future. Where well, there's going to be something that is so horrible is such an abomination to God that it's going to make the temple desolate or completely a rotten, non-sacred, horrible place. And so that whole word, the whole phrasing of desolate is referring to being a total abomination to God, a separation from God, a hatred from God. No one wants to be desolate. He says very clearly here at the end of this that the wicked are going to be desolate. But he says very clearly in verse 22, and none of them that trust in him shall be blessed. There can be some pretty rough times. Very fearful times, and scary times, and painful times. And you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and go through those guys in things. But there's none of that can stop you or prevent you from being in the presence of the Lord. Even if you die, God, you will be in the presence of the Lord. But those who do not believe, It be a total eternal separation from him which is desperate. So life can get pretty rough. But our hope is in him. We have no fear What things are on your mind today for prayer, request,
0: testimony, praise? is pregnant. Now i i I'm <laughs> not
2: in California, I was five, six, seven years ago, and we had the opportunity to go out on the boat with some friends in the San Francisco Bay. And it was a pretty nice day, a little but we went around the bay there and were able to see it off of the city in a different way than you would, would ever get to see it, see things you wouldn't normally get to see. it, it was.
0: Then we headed out
2: towards the Yellow Gate Bridge. And that's a pretty cool sight. Very picturesque. As we got to the bridge, the waves began to really pick up. They weren't just big waves, they were really big waves. And the boat was going up, and then it was going down. It was dropping from side to side and water was coming over the front of the boat. we did not go any farther had to turn around. I suppose if you got seasick, it would have been a good opportunity for you to do so. But you know, I did think this morning as I was looking at these verses in Peter last week about well, oh, perhaps that's a picture of our lives when it comes to relationships. Sometimes, <laughs> that boat out there in the water getting hit from every side, rocking to and fro, getting water on the top. You ever feel that way when it comes to your relationships? Peter's been talking to us about several different kinds of relationships here for the last couple chapters. He's been teaching us and encouraging us on how to have godly relationships. He's talked to us about how we can relate to governing authorities in our lives, how we relate to employers, to unbelievers around us, and how husbands and relate. And now we get to verse 8 of chapter 3. And if you didn't think that some of those sermons applied to you, for whatever reason, maybe they didn't today, you don't get left out. He says, finally, and this says me, you all know, the King James, and your King James says all of you. Finally, all of you. He's talking to everyone here before. How are your relationships in your life? Whether it's the, the areas that we just described that Peter's discussed or, or whatever it is with your family, with your church body, in the workplace, and on and on they go. Do you ever feel like that boat at the mouth of the San Francisco May? Getting dropped up and down and back and forth. You see, life is all about relationships even. From the very beginning, he saw a man he said, it's not good that man should be alone. He created us to be in a relationship with God. That's why he created us, to have a relationship with (laughs) God. And they come at you from every side, whether you want or not. You know, unless you do, or you go over the top of the mountain somewhere, you're going to have a relationship every day. How are you doing? With those relationships. Sometimes the relational waters can get pretty choppy. You know some people when the water gets choppy the boat is Your relationships ever capsize you? I don't know. I feel like you're drowning. Peter, he wants to help us here. Do you want to do better? <laughs> or never, I have perfectly suited what it's not a lie. But I trust that as we hear from Peter and from God's word this morning, that it could be that our ship not hit, at least when we come to relationships. But you know, if you want something, you want to be better at something, if you want to raise your holding score or lower your golf store, what do you do? It takes time. It takes practice. And as you continue to put forth effort and to practice, you get better, right? So it is with relationships. First it's gonna take a desire. Second, it's gonna take effort, and third is gonna take time. There's no quick fix, there's no 12 steps, and your relationships are perfect in life. It's gonna take God. Let's look here then at verse 8. Finally, be on of on one line. I hear him talking, telling out to be and be quiet, to work together, be all of one mind. Uh, the NIV is more harmonious here, I believe. All of you be harmonious and that speaks to me of music. What does it mean to be in harmony? What does that look like? It's when we sing with one voice it's when we speak one message. It's when God's people together proclaim a consistent truth for those around them. Make sure you're with me a band. Whether it's the Ohio state marching band, perhaps some of you still have your local Covington band. Uh, they're, they're pretty neat. You watch them? The synchrony, the harmony that comes forth from that. So, so, I suppose here, maybe you've got, I mean, they're all good, they wouldn't be in the band. But there's probably a couple of them that are all extra. Special. They just really have a talent to blow that trumpeter, to have the time here, to uh, whatever. They're just really good at it. But you know what? If, if they were to perform. And and the one guy's just like, you know, I've been blessed with this gift and these talents. And I just want to make sure I use them. And I want to make sure other people get the benefit of them. And so tonight I'm going to play just a little louder. I'm going to play just a little longer. And I'm going to play just a little faster. How no, does that feel? It would ruin the song, wouldn't it? You know, those people that are the most talented, when they play good, well, man, you can't pick them out. It's a harmony, it's working together, it's living together. And, and that's what he's telling us to do in our relationships. Obviously, it fits well in a body, but it can be in a workplace. Don't try to stick out, don't try to show off. Be of one mind. Make beautiful music. Whatever possible, those around. <coughs> had to this morning in our Bible study about our Sunday school. You know, sometimes I. same thing, to walk in another's shoes, to have the capacity to feel what others are feeling. Compassion, this is what Jesus had when he healed the sick in Matthew 14, when he fed the hungry in Matthew 15. This is what he had when he made the blind to see in Matthew 20, or what he felt when he the 11 in Mark 1, when he raised the dead in Luke 7. Jesus had compassion. You know why? knows all about love as brother. That phrase comes from the Greek word Philadelphia, I which means brotherly love. Love people like a brother. Love the people in your life like a brother. You're always there for them. That is what it looks like to love like a brother. That's what he's calling us to this morning in our relationship to life. Love us, brother. Be pitiful and early. That's, I don't have a whole lot of that pitiful. It's, it's very similar to compassion. Perhaps it's the arousal of compassion. Be courteous. When I turn to one. Philippians 3, 3 he says, Let nothing be done for strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. This speaks to me the very essence of being courteous. These verses here in Philippians actually are. Are very similar to the verses in Peter that we're going through this morning. I want, to read, I want to read a couple more starting to fulfill <laughs> <laughs> you my joy. That ye be like minded, having the same laws being of one, of one mind, speaking there again of harmony, of being on the same team with the people in your life, the people around you. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Robert says, let no man think. Let, be not wise in your own eyes, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. As I read that verse, it just screams to me, stop thinking about yourself! Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on like thing's Stop thinking about yourself! that would go a long way in your relationship in life. If you can start looking at things of others rather than yourself. If you can esteem others better than yourself, that doesn't mean to put yourself down, to degrade yourself, to say, oh, everybody's better than me. Somebody says, it doesn't say oh, everyone is better than you, it says, see them, treat them as if they were better than you. Esteem every man better than themselves. Lord, if you're both just stop flipping over and start thinking about others. Stop thinking about yourself, verse 9, back in 1 Peter, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary to life's blessing, knowing that you're there. This is the same teaching that Jesus gave you the
0: Sermon on the Mount. When
2: he said, I said to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you,
0: and pray for them that despitefully use
2: you and persecute you. This is the same teaching that is in Proverbs. Where he tells us to put coals of fire on the head of our enemies. When you revile, revile not. It's It's the example of Jesus just over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not to commit himself to him that judges the That must be how we respond, also. Bless people, bless people, bless people in your life, that with time they will begin to receive that blessing. An impact will be made when we refuse to retaliate. It's not to say that it always happens. There are people in life who live in an imperfect world. And there are so many people in your life that are probably difficult relationally your entire life. Maybe it's someone in your life, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your brother, maybe someone farther away, and you can you can do this exactly. And they can abuse that and take advantage of that, they can continue to revive you. And it feels like you never make a difference, even when you when you respond the way Jesus is called. But guess what? It's
0: still more explicit than this. 70 times 7.
2: We continue to bless instead of curse. He finishes verse 9 here by saying that you will receive a blessing when you treat people this way. And I would suggest the possibility of verse 12 is the blessing. Verse 8 and 9. We're not there yet. Let's look at verse 10. As I was sitting in verse 10 last week, I just had to share with my children and apologize. And it spoke to me in a way that maybe isn't specifically the way that it's speaking. But as I read it, it spoke to me of careless words. He talks about your lips, your tongue, your mouth, and how you speak here in verse ten. And I just had to recognize in my life the times that I—I I, I don't know. This is something that I do like. I like to rhyme, like maybe or it's just a short drive, and I just like mouth off. Looking for the next board, and then you're inevitably into other problems with what you just said. And so it's a dangerous thing, to just. And so I, I asked my children just to, to help keep me accountable. You know, if I, if I use something that's careless or appropriate, to,
1: to, to say something about
2: it. And well, a few days later, I, I said something. A few seconds later, I thought about it. And I turned to here, I was like, why didn't
1: you
0: go play me correcting on that? And he said, well, I
2: was just giving you some time to see if you thought yourself. <laughs> that people will each other in a and um, not feeling each other back all the time. Give people people opportunity. When you ask someone to keep you accountable <coughs> or to a uh, permanent <coughs> area, and it really helps to heighten your arrival for that and alertness for that where sometimes you will catch it yourself and like in that situation. So I would encourage you,
1: um, in any area, whether
2: it's this or area to look at your ten or, or something else in your life, to ask someone to help
1: you, to keep your
2: accountable to the degree in that area. And you'll find that it'll be easier even for yourself to recognize. <coughs> so James 3 talks of <coughs> about the tongue and the importance of controlling your tongue. And how as small as that thing is, the kind of impact it can have a lot. I mean, and it describes there of uh, a ship, huge ships, and they have this little steel rudder that's so thin, so wide, so long, and it's not very big and personal the, the ship, gets, it turns the ship. Oh my God, yeah. and get it turned out ship. All the way crossed in it. And how horses as big and powerful and strong and fast as a horse does all take a half-inch by six-inch piece of metal on the mouth, and then to go wherever you want. And and the power that there is in that little piece of and the power that's in our tongue, all of it. To encourage, to bless, or to just simply humiliate, discourage, and care of our Out of the same mouth, God <coughs> is cursing, says God, not clear me. So I'm going to read this. There's a couple of verses here in here, and going to read through a couple of other verses. And I want you to notice the word God as we read. Because it's mentioned a lot. And it's mentioned it's many more times than this throughout the word. It's not only a real word that we use in our vocabulary today. But as we read it, think of it as deceit or fraud, perhaps. And it seems to be a big deal, it's in all the these are verses. These were verses, I was looking at it, for, uh, for our tongues and our lips and our mouths, and, and it often speaks of God. Verse 10 through 12, let's we'll read here For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips, that they speak no God. Let them assume evil the or turn away from evil and do good. Let him see peace and ensue it or pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now you've already heard those words read this morning. Those are from Psalms 34. These aren't Peter's words. I'm going to go back and read those for you from Psalms 34 again. Psalm 34 that David read for us, verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Depart from evil and do good. To seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. And. Actually, the next hour, we're going to do a later or more Peter, but I think we'll stop later about it. I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 1. And read that verse. Wherefore, lay aside all violence, from guile, all hypocrisy, and all evil speaking. And then down to verse 22, we read about Jesus, our example no sin, neither was guile, rather, just battle. And then I want to think about James 1.26. You know that passage, you know that verse. If any man among you seems to be religious, but bridle on his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, man man's religion. That says that if you claim to be a Christian and you can't control your tongue, you're a fraud. According to the Word of God, you're a fraud. You
0: <coughs> know why?
2: Because Lord. So anyone who's trying to tame their tongue can't do it. Because it's not really the tongue that you're taming, it's the heart. And no man can tame the heart. It must be tamed. it must be captured by God. Matthew 12 and 6 through 6 say the same thing out of the abundance of the heart the mouth. How's your speech? How's your work? Revelation 14:5. This is the word again, the word of God, speaking about people <coughs> who are in heaven. These were redeemed from men, first fruits of God to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no God. And they are without fault before the throne of God. God's order calls us to speak truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. And you're going to need God's help to do that. Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Remember what comes out of your mouth, comes out of your heart. Uh, Verse eleven. Here we have this promise. Turn away from evil, I'm sorry. And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. What does it look like to
1: seek peace and pursue it?
2: Do you have a life that's filled with peace? For you to pursue peace, what does that mean? I think sometimes it looks like taking the first step in a relationship. Remember, we're thinking about relationships. Sometimes it looks like making the first call. Sometimes <coughs> it looks like going your throne when you want to defend yourself. Sometimes it looks like calling your dad making your right
0: Sometimes it looks
2: like telling your children you're sorry. Sometimes it looks like having a conversation with your brother and admitting that you were wrong. It's sometimes a small thing. It's a hard thing to do to pursue peace. But it's building relationships according to the Word of God and our fleshly nature. And it takes a desire and it takes effort It takes time. So, verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayer. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He promises to watch over us. When we live around 8 and 9, promises to bless us with verse 12. He says, I will watch over you. And it reminds me of that verse in, in uh, number Yeah, number 6. I believe, that says that he, he tells the people there that if you will keep my commandments, I will bless you and keep you I'll make my face to shine upon you and give you peace. Be merciful with you and give you peace. That's what he wants to do for us. In verse 12, he wants his face to shine upon us, he wants his eyes to be on us, and his ears are open unto our prayers. And that that reminds me of that verse in 2 Chronicles. Does it my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and I will heal, heal from heaven and heal the land? On the flip side, you know, if we're living in verses 8 and 9, God wants to watch over us, God wants to hear our prayers, but on the flip side, he says, if you're living in sin You're living for self this morning. God's face
1: is against you. This face is turned away from you, and someone says
2: the reason is to cut off remembrance of you from the earth. I don't know what that looks like, but what the ramifications are of that completely, but it sounds really bad to have the face of God. Yes, sir. Who can withstand that? <laughs> Verse 13. <clears throat> and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Peter discusses this throughout chapters 2 and 3. <clears throat> he says, when you do what you're supposed to do, when you live the way you're supposed to live, you could hurt you. And, and we know from, from some of his other things he, he says most times they're going to end up looking like fools when someone speaks against someone who's living according to God word, a consistent life that in the end they're <coughs> looking back but so the fact is there are going to be people speaking and I think he recognizes this with verse 14 saying what well, if." But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of your terror, neither be troubled. Talking about relationships here, he's saying that we might suffer. So, then he says, happy are you. And it's just a statement like, suffer, you're happy. I don't know. And then he have said, "Happy you can be, because we're not always happy right off the bat, are we?" <clears> 1 <throat> Peter 4, four nineteen says, "Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him and well doing as unto a faithful Creator." Another chapter under 10. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that we have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You're going to suffer a while. It's for a purpose. To establish, strengthen, and settle you. Not the way we the law choose. I doubt. But I believe that when we live our life, like these verses call us to, to be of one mind, to have compassion, to love, to be with you, to be courteous, not friend bearing evil for evil, or really for real, but giving blessing in all of those circumstances, <laughs> we are afraid our from evil and our lips. No God, When we turn away from good, from evil, and do good, when we seek peace and pursue peace in our lives and our relationships, and we still suffer. Remember what this said? Let them that suffer according to the will of God. much deeper. You can't have joy. Because you are guilt-free. That's something he says here in one day other two verses. having a good conscience. You have nothing to feel bad about. You know who you are, correct? You know why you're great. You know what you're here for. You know your love, your valuable. You're living for God and you're still suffering and says here that we can have joy in that it's not always easy. You know I was like I can preach these in it. Like makes sense kinda. But then you know when you can actually have a trial in your life, like this stuff still makes sense for somebody else, but my trial is like, a little different. Like I feel I feel a little work And it doesn't quite apply. You ever feel that way? Like the fruits sound Sunday morning but on Wednesday, I don't know if I work. Sometimes we can feel that way, I can feel that way, and, and we can make excuses, but I just challenge your courage you, that when you feel that way, to number one, one, no, it's not true, at least, this this is for you in every trial? Thing, and just to go with what you know, we've got to have these deep truths seated in our hearts and minds of, of what I just listed off, I cutting out the little bit. Of who we are in Christ. We're going to believe it that we are one that God created for a purpose in His image. And no matter what man may do to me or say to me or about me,
0: I am in love
2: and I am His. We're going to go back to those very foundational truths of who we are as a child of God and we're going to pull Him up in that moment. And cling to them because there's nothing else to cling to. Them. Jesus and what he did for us is the only thing that will hold us through these times of suffering and hardship in life. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Let's sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, verse 15, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you of the reason of. the Lord God. Set apart as holy. God, you do that? Is he set apart in your heart? You know, as we love these verses, we can find ourselves here and, and if this is our heart, our attitude, our life, then I believe that we will be able to respond to those that ask of this hope, and this hope, what is this hope? First Peter 1-3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to us abundant mercy, has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 13 of the same chapter, Wherefore, bring up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. For Revelation of Jesus Christ, we hope to see Jesus, verse 21, who by him did believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We know with made and fear Verse 16 is very similar to chapter 2, verse 12. Having a good conscience, but whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed, but falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Very similar words. Exactly said it three or four times throughout here. Having a conversation honest among the Gentiles, that wherever they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold. Glorify God in the name of the let them speak, let them talk. Live your life the way that God has called you to live. And they will soon see, it will be evident that it's false accusations. For it is better if the will of God will be so that you suffer for all good, than for evil good. Here it speaks of suffering again, and we can go to more verses to see God's perspective on suffering. Chapter two, verse twenty: What glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? If when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently; but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, and this is acceptable with God. Uh, Over chapter four, verse twelve. A lot think it not strange concerning the fiery crowd, just to try you as if some strange thing happened. We're going to suffer. Don't think it strange. Verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. Verse 16. Yet, yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God
1: on his behalf.
2: So this week, you know some, when we
0: think
2: of suffering, sometimes we think of like being just dying across and suffering through the wounds and, and physical winds, obviously create suffering, but sometimes we suffer and we think of that way in our own eyes. Sometimes we're suffering and we don't realize maybe that's what it is. But when when people speak against us, it causes us to suffer, doesn't it? When people hurt us, and that happens, as long as you have relationships, you're going to have suffering to a degree, probably. I'm not sure I wanted to get through the rest of this chapter today,
0: and I don't think we will.
2: There's a the law in verse 18. Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. This week, I don't know what kind of waters you're going to take your boat across, but I just pray that something through this message. And your boat just to ride a little lighter on those waves. To take you just a little less water, and that your ship wouldn't tip. Verse 22 speaks of Jesus here in our scripture and, and perhaps we'll go back and pick this up in our next message. He says here, Jesus, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Jesus is sitting in heaven today, is at the right hand of God, and He's there. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor even today. His eyes are on you. His eyes are on us as the children of God, and He is hearing our cries. He wants to hear our cries. He loves them. He wants a relationship with us. Don't stop crying out. Don't stop talking to Him. He's there. He's merciful. He's coming back one day, and He might feel far away to you right now. Actually, he's not very for now, he might feel that way, but I just want to tell you this morning that you must get to know Him. You must have a relationship with Him before you meet Him face to face on judgment day.
0: You must
2: And through that relationship with him, is the only way that you will be able to
0: successfully
2: have and navigate these relationships that are a out of here in life. He is our example. His relationship with us is our teacher and our power for our relationships here on earth. So get to know him. He wants to watch you. He wants to hear your prayers. he's you should really know him. Have a song.